Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your hosts, Jessica McIntyre and Quentin Cools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. In this episode, Voting Rights, Quentin Cools sits down with 2022 Team Pact Program Director Franklin McMahon from North Carolina to explore how voting rights have changed and why protecting voting rights matters. Thanks for joining us. All right. This is uh, Quinn Cools. I'm here with Franklin McMahon. Uh, Franklin, you're serving as a program director this year for Team Pact. And um, how about you tell the Team Pact podcast listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, like you said, I'm Franklin. I'm from North Carolina, although uh, most recently I've been at Wheaton College in Illinois. I'm studying political science and music there. I got involved in Team Pact uh, first time as a four-day student in 2015. Uh, came for a couple of years and started staffing, and then uh, now I just really felt the need to come back and serve as a program director, and I've been having an awesome time doing that so far. That's amazing. What what has been one of your favorite parts about program directing in this role versus other roles you've had in the ministry? Absolutely. Uh, with program directing, I'm able to have a lot more of my own kind of personal touch and flair on how I want the program to run and to best utilize my skill set within that uh, rather than uh, in previous roles having to maybe conform to a, a process that's less like something that I would be good at. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I love how Team Pack kind of enables different people from different personalities, walks of life to be able to experience this, but then also bring the skills and personality that they have to whatever it is. So thanks for serving the entire Team Pack Nation this year. Anybody who knows you or has been able to experience Team Pack this year or really in the future is going to benefit from that because of your investment this year. So thank you. Thank you. Today, our topic is about voting rights and kind of eligibility related to voting. Um, I was having a conversation with Jacob Myers uh, on the Teen Pack podcast, and we were discussing how so few people who are eligible to vote actually participate in it. And, you know, there's kind of a sadness to that, like, ah, oh, we want so many more people to participate. But we're actually going to take that conversation in a whole new direction today. We're going to be talking more about what people are eligible, what people aren't eligible, why is that important? Um, and kind of as we as we further understand what you know what fighting for liberty and valuing liberty looks like, um, I hope that we'll be able to uncover some really good content. So um, you know, as you have studied and prepared for this season, you know, you're having to lead, you know, multiple sessions, each class, um, you're doing what, like nine or 10 classes this year, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so you're doing this a lot. So this is a big component for you as a program director, maybe, maybe one of the biggest things you research and prepare for. So when you've talked specifically about this topic, like what are some of the big ideas that you've come across in research or maybe some of the historical development that's kind of been the groundwork for, Hey, as I'm teaching or as I'm drawing out ideas from students, this is where we need to start. Typically where I start is just with Article 1, uh, Section 4, and talking about um, how the times, places, and manners were given to the states, and so the states um, have a little bit of ambiguity and that amendment so they can decide for themselves. I usually talk about how in the Declaration of Independence, it first asserted that all men were created equal, and then I bring up the concept of a de jure versus de facto issue, which is something that's according to law versus something that's according to fact. And now... 
in what is kind of seen as the law or just a statement about the land. Uh, that would be that all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence. However, when that Article 1, Section 4 was ratified, not all people could actually vote at that time. Okay, so some of that went over my head because you're a political science uh, <laughs> guy at college and I did not do poli-sci. So talk talk to me about, okay, there's there's all, all people are created equal, but are you saying that not everyone gets to participate in the the system of voting? Is that kind of the idea? Talk me through that a little bit. Exactly. So according to the law or what's written at the time, it says that all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence. However, at the same time, whenever the Article 1, Section 4 of the Constitution was ratified, this is what is actually talking about the process of voting, who gets to vote. Not everybody could really vote at that time. It was only for white landowning males. So even though it says that all men are created equal, in practice, not all men are able to actually vote then, and women cannot vote at all. Okay. Okay. So maybe walk us through a little bit of some of the progression historically. Um, what has changed and what are some of the key movements in U.S. history that have led to where we're at today? The first movement would be whenever the 15th Amendment was put into place. And that is saying that the right of citizens cannot be abridged based off of their race or color or previous condition of servitude. So anyone that's been in slavery or just anyone because of their race. So this was giving giving all minorities, uh, primarily African-American males at the time, the right to vote. Although Native Americans actually weren't given that right to vote until 1924. Okay. So, th- I mean, that's a, that's a huge turning point in American history. Absolutely. And yet it wasn't fully embraced. We talked with Jake Myers on the Teen Pack podcast about um, looking back at that period of reconstruction um, that kind of followed the Civil War and how... It wasn't ideally done uh, by any stretch of the imagination and how there was still suppression um, during that time. But talk to me about how some of those things maybe were solidified over time or where different groups of people were also added in. Because, you know, I could imagine um, that any any number of females who would be listening to this would be like, well, wait, (laughs) it's not just a matter of race. Mm -hmm. It's also a matter of gender or perhaps age. Um, kind of talk us through some of the other movements. Yeah, so the next big movement after uh, 1870 when the 15th Amendment would be put into place was uh, in the 1920s whenever the 19th Amendment was ratified, and this was giving women the right to vote. And this is actually only 102 years ago, not that long. So women haven't had the right to vote in America for a super long time, although about 20 states already had the right to vote for them slightly before that was put into place. Another thing that was going on at during that time was the prohibition, and that had a big effect on uh, the women's suffrage and those on each other, as a lot of people in favor of the prohibition saw that the only way they could get that enacted was if they allowed women the right to vote, because primarily the people that were drinking were male. So those kind oh, of that's like fascinating. Hand hand, right? Okay. Okay. So there was politics going on even 102 years ago (laughs) not dissimilar to what's happening today I was I was I pulled up a a news article this morning and it was talking about how lead Democrats in uh, U.S. Congress were removing something from a big spending bill because there were enough people within their party that were not for it and it wouldn't therefore pass and it's like okay wait that whole thing happens at kind of each movement in our democratic republic like even if you go back to the earliest stages those sorts of kind of 
some of it's power play, some of it's just strategic negotiation. In this case, it in, it resulted in something I think really good, categorically good, mm-hmm. that women created in the image of God equal to men could also vote. Um, has that, uh, I guess, let's let's finish up with, you know, are, were there any other key um, developments? I, I think there was one related to age where did it drop from age 21 to age 18? Is that is that the one? Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. So the next two big developments, uh, that would be when the 24th Amendment was put into place. And this is whenever everybody could actually vote because the voter suppressions were lifted. Yeah, such that's as right. Jim Crow um, and poll tax laws. And then when the 26th Amendment was put into at actually 1971, not that long ago, uh, this was whenever the voting age was lowered from 21 to 18. Wow. So like when I when I look back at, you know, the the length of history, like you've walked us through you know, from the early stages of American development politically to several key movements, um, suffrage movements that have led to particular constitutional amendments. Like these are all like massive things that have led to where we're at today. Um, Just out of curiosity, do you think that there's going to be any further form of voter, you know, suffrage movement in the future? Like, do you think that there's going to be a you know, age 18 to age 16 or age 18 back up to 21 or different groups of people for whatever reason that aren't allowed to vote now that should be allowed to vote? Like, do you think that eligibility range will change at all? There are actually so many different movements going on right now, and it's really interesting. Uh, so, for example, in Florida, there is there was a, a recent law brought up that was uh, potentially allowing ex-felons to vote. Uh, so people that have completed all parts of their sentence um, there are pushes for those age 16 and up to be able to vote uh, for people that are in U.S. territories or like in D.C. Oh, yeah. statehood so they can be able to vote um, in the national elections for president yep. and even more than that. OK, yeah. So once you get into, you know, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, mm-hmm. D.C., uh, ex-felons, 16 year olds, 17 year olds, like those are a lot of categories of additional people that might be trying to move the needle toward, Hey, we want some sort of eligibility to vote in this too. That's, that's fascinating. So if you're listening to the teen pack podcast and you've got some Intel on that, do let us know. We'd be interested in, you know, what's going on in your state and what's changing there. But you know, what we're also seeing is that these things took decades to work toward. Right. And, um, and they're really important, but they're also not without some disagreement, I'm sure. Um, and so when you've been on classes, I'm curious, what are some of the key themes that have come up from student discussion um, where students, you know, have done their own research, um, historical and biblical research that would try to inform this particular conversation? They come in with a particular perspective, though, and, and you're trying to kind of gauge where they're at, I, I presume, and then try to guide them, you know, on, hey, what would a biblical worldview, what does an informed worldview look like? Um, but what are some of the key points of emphasis or things that people get passionate about w- with this topic? Something I've been surprised about is that a lot of the students, whenever I bring things up through a very nonpartisan lens, actually have a less uh, than conservative traditional perspective on a lot of these issues, uh, such as for like ex-felons. I've had a lot of students who have uh, been in favor of ex-felons voting, although I think they usually change their minds once I kind of flesh out the issue a little bit more. Um, then additionally, with uh, lowering the voting age to 16, usually whenever I'm discussing about how they, a lot of them are taxed from their jobs, they think that it would be more fair if they were able to vote at 16. But then if I bring up the question of, 
what if you weren't taxed? Would you rather still not have a vote? And they would agree with that. They would rather have not like no tax and not be able to vote than they would have the right to vote and have tax. Okay. So I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. Maybe you could do the same. So we're 16, 17 years old, you know, working at a coffee shop, working at the grocery store, whatever it is. What would you, what would you do? Like if you're, if you're already being taxed and you can't vote and you either could take the taxes away or could bring the vote in, which would you choose? Honestly, if I take myself back to that time, I was probably caring more about the next pair of basketball shoes I could buy. Yeah, same. Exactly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I think that goes to show maybe why 18 is a different age than 16 Mm -hmm. in terms of maturity and even just like the the understanding of kind of the social uh, responsibility that we have, right? Like as a 16 year old, I'm a hundred percent with you. I was totally thinking about the next pair of basketball shoes from the Nike outlet store, shout out to Portland, Oregon. You know, that, that was totally way more the, the ideal thing. So if, if some tax money could have been put back in my pocket, I would have been so more for that. Um, but I think if the conversation, uh, politically, legally, whatever would probably move more toward, well, then maybe 16 year olds just shouldn't work because if you're working, you should get taxed because the government wants their tax money. And, <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, but I do think there's something about, you know, the older that you you grow and certainly hopefully through education and other things, other experiences, that social responsibility does settle in, right? Like, I I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if 18 is necessarily like the perfect age, right? Like, I mean, there's different societies where at 12 or 13 years old, you're off like doing the full career thing. Um, but I don't, I don't know. In our society, it almost seems like it should be like 26, you know, or something like that. Like, I, I don't know that the, the age thing is really fascinating to me. Yeah. So actually something that's pretty interesting. The main push that changed the voting age to 18 was because the Vietnam war was going on at the time that that 26th amendment was passed. People were uh, writing and chanting that if they were old enough to fight and to be drafted in the war, okay. they should be old enough to vote additionally because people were being drafted into the war, but not weren't old enough to express their disagreement with the war in the first place. Yeah, that's so good. So I love that. And let's, let's, let's hang out there for a moment. The idea that your vote is your voice in, in many ways. Um, in our democratic Republic, you have the opportunity with certain positions every two years or every four years or every six years to, to say yes, no, this other person, no, yes. Again, to this person, you know, like you, you're able to, to hold people accountable and to bring out, you know, kind of your opinion and, and hopefully as a believer and as an informed citizen, that your voice is, is adding, you know, some good weight behind the right people at the right time and that, and, and the right issues. Right. Um, I can totally see where as a 16 year old, or even as an 18 year old before this particular amendment was passed, where I would feel totally gypped from being able to fully communicate, you know, my, you know, my, my, you know, my, my values, uh, in, in what I'm voting for. And certainly when, when something like a war is on the line, that that's huge. I told, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. A lot of students have, whenever I've posed the question, if 16 year olds should be able to vote, they've expressed to me that they don't think that their that most of their peers are responsible enough or mature enough to exercise that right. Uh, it's been interesting to me about how they think that they themselves have the maturity to decide that right. at that age. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I think a lot of them are maybe okay with themselves voting, but not the rest of the 16 year olds voting. Okay. Yeah. 
Man, we could we could totally go down a whole line of thinking. I'm reading a book right now um, called The Vanishing American Adult by Ben Sass. Are you familiar with that book? I'm not. Yeah, it's it's so Ben Sass is in Congress, but he writes this book um, less as like, a, you know, a political take, but more of like just a kind of a, a review of our cultural moment compared to history. And specifically, he talks about how young people, uh, you know, have have put off adulthood you know, year after year after year. And so all of the, you know, the, the, the statistics seem to suggest that, you know, people are getting married later and are finishing college later and are buying homes later. And all this is just kind of pushing off a lot of those kind of future adulty responsibilities or whatever. And so I think it, it totally could be a part of the conversation with, with age for voting, where it's like, at what measure is it that, you get to a particular age or that you get to a particular maturity. What I think I want to tie this back to though, is that I think there's a, there's a point where maybe there's not a perfect age, but there are certain people that I think unequivocally should be able to vote. Like when I look back at some of those suffrage movements, should people of color and indigenous people be able to vote like hundred percent hands down, no question. Like, and, and how could I think otherwise, right? Like absolutely. Should women have the right to vote hundred percent? Absolutely. And so it is crazy to me that, that for years those things weren't available. And so it does actually make me cherish and value those liberties now even more. So I can celebrate that. Like we just, um, you know, we're recording the week of mid-season um, for, for Teen Pact. And just this week, it was International Women's Day. And it it was a, you know, a day where you're celebrating women in all different forms of history and present day and culture and significance in your family and community and so forth. But man, like, I can't imagine what that would be like prior to a suffrage movement. And, and I'm not saying that voting is everything, but it is a pretty significant part of of kind of giving dignity to this participation in our democratic Republic, right? Like back me up here. <laughs> right. So I think that whenever, whenever our founding fathers were crafting that declaration of independence, they're not stupid. And they can tell that even though it says that all men are created equal, that at the time, not everyone was given the exact same rights and they were aware of that. However, I think they were also aware of the potential within that American system and just that thought of the American dream of giving um, everybody a chance, giving everybody the opportunity and the, just like the dream in America for no matter what your age is or your race or your gender for yeah. any of those people to have that right to vote. And they try to put a system into place where our constitution could be changed, where we can allow those people to vote. And because they knew that it was absolutely necessary to give everybody that right, whether or not the vast majority of people actually agreed with it at the time. And so that is why I'm so thankful now that everybody is able to recognize that voting rights should be protected for all the eligible citizens in the United States. Cause that is so important that all those people are given that right to vote. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I find that vision that you set just so beautifully. That that is when I think about America and when I think about the founders and the kind of system that they set up, it's imperfect, right? Like we're, neither of us are going to sit here and say it's perfect, but we can point to where it enabled these sorts of things to happen. It 
it has flourished into something that we see now. And and still there's brokenness in the system that continually is is kind of evolving and hopefully progressing and actually growing into something healthier, better, fairer, all those things, right? Um, but I, I really appreciate that you drove home that, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't throw out, you know, the whole the whole system or what the founder's ideal was even if they weren't able to achieve that ideal in the moment, it actually led to the flourishing of these opportunities today. Absolutely. That's really good. So thanks so much for, for joining us for the, the podcast. Uh, any, any kind of final comments that you would like to make or, um, you know, any shout outs to anybody from, uh, from the team pack season you've experienced so far? Well, I would say that I've just been really encouraged from the amount of students that I've seen being excited about, voting in particular and about their potential right to vote either this year for the 18 year olds or uh, for those who will be old enough to vote soon. And so I've encouraged them uh, to get registered and to utilize the ability they've been given to vote, uh, whether they are a guy or a girl on the class that they have that and to utilize that freedom that they have and just enjoy that and express their, their voice. Yeah. I love that. So you know, throughout this season, you're able to encourage young people to actually take that seriously, take the next step, put this into action. And when you see people who are taking biblical worldview and being informed citizens seriously, like that's a beautiful thing to see. So thank you so much for doing that. You're doing a great job this season. Thanks for joining us for the Team Pack podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Pact podcast. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at teampact.com. Or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.